the book of Psalms this morning. Psalm 34 is our text for this morning. Psalm 34, I'll begin reading verse 1. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject, a thankful heart. A thankful heart. Psalm 34, and we'll begin to read in verse number 1. Won't you stand with me this morning, all those that can and are able in honor and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in Psalm 34, begin to read in verse number 1. The Bible says these words. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. O oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that your precious Holy Spirit, God, would convict lost people this morning of where they stand before you. And God, I pray that you'll draw them to salvation. Father, help them to see their sin, Christ's righteousness, judgment that's to come against them if they don't choose to turn and receive Jesus and the gift of salvation that he freely offers. Father, we pray that you'll challenge us today if we sometimes drift in uh, to a state of complacency and really a state of just being spoiled and we, we become unthankful and ungrateful for all of your goodness and all of your provision, both spiritually and physically. And God, I pray that thanks living uh, will be something that is a regular part of our lives. God, challenge us today where we stand concerning real praise and having a thankful heart. Bless this time. Be honored and glorified through it all. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now I invite you to be seated. Now a lot is lost in uh, history today, in American history. A lot what's inconvenient uh, is being taken out and really rewritten. And if nobody stands against that, you know, it, it really, no one can really stop what's being taught or shared. The true story of Thanksgiving is, really comes down to some basic facts. There were 102, 102 pilgrims uh, who dared to sail across the Atlantic looking for spiritual freedom. That's what they were looking for, not economic progress, but spiritual freedom. For 66 days, they sat in the cargo hold uh, of the, the Mayflower with much sickness and much hardship in that crossing. After they landed... After the first winter, there were only four families who had sailed over who didn't bury at least one family member during that winter. It was a hard winter. But in that next spring, e easing into the summer, uh, through the province of God, they met someone who helped them learn how to plant corn. And through that, they were able to discover a means of which they could sustain themselves and sustain their families. And it was after the harvest that year that one of the spiritual leaders in their midst, a man by the name of Thomas Bradford, organized a meal uh, that would be centered around thanking God for all of his goodness and all of his provision. Much that's left out and not shared that you won't really see much about uh, in uh, the news today was that it wasn't just about eating a turkey 
and all of the food that was there. The real center of the, the meal was it was to be a time of worship. There would be seasons of prayer. People stood and began to sing songs of praise that honored the Lord for his goodness and his faithfulness. And there was the preaching of God's word uh, to exhort and to encourage those who were there. So it's, it's not just at Thanksgiving, you know, that we should uh, have a thankful heart toward God, but it's every day we should have. And certainly Thanksgiving is a special time in people's lives, and it should be enjoyed. But it really shouldn't be on Thanksgiving Day where we stop and give thanks to God for all of his goodness. And really, truly, our thankful heart is demonstrated by praise. And that's what our text this morning bears out, is that real Thanksgiving is rooted in real praise. Psalm 34 is a response by David from a very difficult time in his life where he was being pursued by Saul, but he made really the wrong decision to go down to Philistia. But even in the midst of that, God provided, God was good, and God made a way of escape for David. And so out of this text, we see some elements of what real praise involved. And those things should be evident in our life as every day we give praise to God for all of his goodness. Real praise first is marked by it's, it's spontaneous. That is, it's voluntary. Uh, there's nothing wrong with organizing a service where we have the opportunity to share praises uh, every Wednesday night. Um, we have a time of which we share prayer requests. But also it's a time where people are able to share praise reports just to give a word of encouragement. It's an organized time. It's set every Wednesday that we meet at the conclusion of our service. That time is going to be available. But really, friend, our praise shouldn't be scheduled. It should be something that we naturally give every single day, voluntarily. Look what our text says in verse number one. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. I want you to understand this morning that God won't coerce your praise. He's not going to choke you down and make you say thanks. Now, there'll be people who will do that. You're going to have family members that are going to wear you out. On did, you eat, did you eat the bean casserole? Did you try it? Did you, and then you're tempted. If you didn't like it, man, you're at the crossroads then. You know, how do I phrase this? And you can be like me, you know, and just, just tell them. It really wasn't that good, just to be honest with you. You're at that crossroads, but they want, they want your praise. Friend, I want you to listen to me. God is deserving of praise, but he won't make you praise him. You can drift through your whole life, friend, and never give praise to God. Real praise is voluntary. Real praise flows from a naturally, mindfully thankful heart. It's someone who's constantly being mindfully uh, engaged in that what we have flows from God. The breath that you just drew just a second ago, Frank, God gave that to you. He gave your body the ability to do it, uh, the, the ability to think, to perceive. Everything in our life, Frank, comes from God. And when you have a thankful heart, you're mindful of those things. And then you, you voluntarily want to share those things with the Lord. So real praise, it's a thoughtful, willed decision. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not only is real praise spontaneous, but it's also specific. It's specific. I know when we were children, you know, we learned to pray. And we say, dear God, thanks for this day and for all the good things you've given and bless all the missionaries. Amen. 
And it's just as if we had a big thankful umbrella, right, that would just encompass everything. But friend, you need to understand real praise is specific. It's mindful of each individual good thing that God does to us and God does for us. Look at the things that specifically David brings out about this time that was in his life, that he was going through hardship. He says, I will bless. Verse 1, that word bless there means to say good things about. He's going he's gonna to bless the Lord about specific things that, that God has been doing in his life. It says his praise uplifting him. His praise shall be continually in, in my mouth. Verse number two, my soul shall make its boast. He's going he's gonna to begin to brag on the Lord. My, my soul shall make its boast. I'll brag in the Lord. Uh, verse number two continues, the humble shall hear of it and shall be glad. Verse number three says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. That is, lift up his name, the things that he has done, the things he is doing, and the things that he's promised, he's going to do. Let us exalt, that is, lift up the name of the Lord, who he is, uh, and, and who he will always be. And he begins to get a little, very specific here. He says, I sought the Lord. He says, I was going through a hard time, and he says, I, I turned to God. And so in that, he's giving thanks that he's got a relationship with God that he can even turn to him. In the first place, so many people today that are going through hardship and challenges turn in all these different directions. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people turn to relationships. Uh, some people turn to doctors and psychologists and programs. But David says, as I'm going through this hardship, as I found my way in Philistia, and King Achish was there before me, and Saul's behind me, he says, in the midst of that, I sought the Lord. And he was able to do that because he had a personal relationship with God. 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 through 22, verse 1, bears out uh, that time that David was going through this hardship and this time of, of difficulty. And it's what fear can do to a person unchecked. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse number 25 says this, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. And so David came to a place that he began to be fearful that Saul wanted... Listen, Saul just didn't want to catch David to tell him he was displeased with things that were going on in his life. Saul wanted to catch David so that he could kill him. And now he's in Philistia. Now, through a series of wrong decisions, he's fled there instead of seeking God as to where he really needed to go. And he's caught literally between a rock and a hard place. And it's fear that brought him to that place. And so in the midst of that, he says, I began to seek the Lord. And he had a relationship. And not only that, but the Bible continues and says, God heard me. Um, I mentioned as we prayed this morning, it's true. So many people around the world are desperately trying to reach their God uh, through all of the varied teachings that they, that they have. Um, we know Muslims that end up trying to kill themselves in the holy jihad, these people that have been brainwashed in Hamas. They do that by their tenets of belief to guarantee a complete, true, certain entrance into eternity. Well, friend, I'm so glad that we've got the Word of God that teaches us that sin 
separates us from God. But God loved us so much, He sent Jesus Christ to meet that need, to give His life that we could never give. And when we turn from sin and we call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says we're saved. And then now we have the assurance that when we call upon the Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ, boldly we can come into the presence of God. And so I don't have to ever wonder if God hears me when I'm in a right relationship with Him. Because there's a moment in my life I trusted Jesus to be Lord of my life. And when I pray each day, I don't have to guess. I don't have to wonder. Uh, you know, when you ship something today, you're not even really sure if it ever is going to get there. They give you a, a tracking number, and you go look, and you're, you're tracking it all across the country. Friend, I don't have to have a tracking number for prayer. When I call upon the name of the Lord through the blood of Jesus Christ, friend, it is delivered because His Word says so. That's something to be thankful for. And so David was very specific in that. He said, I sought the Lord, and I, I called upon the Lord, and he, he heard me. He continues very specifically to say, He delivered me from all of my fears. The, the Lord uh, had a plan for David's life, and He delivered him. And He says, He delivered me from every single one of my fears. And then those that went with David through that series of wrong decisions, it didn't just affect David, but it affected others. But David had such, a, such an influential spiritual impact on the lives of others. But even though he had made a wrong decision and ended up in Philistia, he had impacted others so much that when they were going through that hardship, look what their testimony is. David says, those that were with me, they looked to God, and they were enlightened. They were in a dark situation. Saul was behind them. Uh, Achish was there in front of them, and all of his mighty men. And so they were in a dark, dark place. But they looked to the Lord, and their faces were lightened. And friend, I'm so glad I can look back on different times of my life. I bet you can too if you've got a relationship with Christ. And there were days, friend, where there was not a cloud in the sky, but I'm telling you, in my soul, it was completely cloudy. It seemed so dark. It seemed there was no hope. It seemed there was no way out. Because I began to read God's Word and to claim God's Word and to trust in God's Word and then just turned to God in prayer and gave that situation to God. Boy, it's amazing how God just made the clouds just roll away. And God enlightened me. And here this has happened to David, but it's also happened to others. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. And David is thankful for that. He's being very specific in some things that happened. We've been going through the book of Acts on Sunday night and on Wednesday evenings. And we saw that his persecution began to affect the church. Stephen stood one day. Some men made some false accusations against him. They brought him before the Sanhedrin. In Acts chapter 6, in verse number 15, the Bible says they, they looked at him and he had the face like an angel. And then he seized an opportunity to speak from the Lord. He didn't shirk. He knew, friend, there was a pile of rocks right outside of the temple. And every one of them had his name written upon them. But he still stood and he boldly spoke truth. And the Bible says at the latter end of Acts chapter 6, that as he, he looked up into heaven and he began to cry out to the Lord, he being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God, and he said, as rocks were beginning to hit his body, Look, I see the heavens opened. I see the Son of Man standing 
at the right hand of God. And I'm so glad, friend, that when we go through challenging situations that are difficult and they're hard. Listen, I've never had anyone bring me out to start throwing rocks at me to stone me. But I've listen, difficulty is relative. And I've been through hardship and you've been through hardship. I'm so thankful in the midst of all of that, friend. I can look to heaven and I can always see Jesus in the midst of all of my hardships. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. And that's something specifically to be thankful for. And David mentions that. He said, verse number 6, that the Lord saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 46 and verse number 1 said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Not just a help, not a distant help, not a help that just sends a card, but is a present help. That means that God is with me, Jesus is with me, even in the midst of the hardship and the difficulty. He bears that out in verse number 7. He says, the angel. Literally in the Hebrew, that's capitalized. That's not, he didn't say an angel of the Lord. He said, the angel of the Lord. Church family, who's that talking about? Jesus Christ. This is a pre-New Testament appearance of Jesus Christ. He says, the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. That means even in the most difficult, dark, dim situation, Christ is there in our midst. David even begins to pray so in Psalm 35, if you'll look over just a page or at the bottom part of the next page, he, he begins to say, speaking of those that are seeking his life, he says, God, let them be like chaff, verse 5 of Psalm 35, let them be like chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. Let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord pursue them. David says, God, when, when the devil's on my tail and working through people, and he's chasing after me, would you send Jesus Christ and let him chase after them? That means, friend, when the devil's after me, Jesus is chasing after him. And that might not encourage you, but friend, I'm just telling you, in the dark, godless world we're living in, I'm glad that as I live each day seeking to glorify God and honor him and live on mission, Jesus Christ is watching over my shoulder. And when the devil wants to get after me, friend, you may not be able to see it, and you won't see this in the breathy praise course today, but Jesus has got a big stick in his hand, and he's chasing the devil down the road on my behalf. Friend, I want to ask shouting ground to think about this morning. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That is specific praise that the angel of the Lord is there for us. So real praise, friend, it's not generic. It's ultra precise. If you're really going to praise God true to the, to, to the definition of what praise means, you're going to be specific. You're going to be mindfully engaged as to what it is you're praising God for in your life. And so it's spontaneous, it's specific, but not only that, friend, it's steady. Uh, look what the Bible says again in verse number one. I will bless the Lord when? At all times. Not just on Thanksgiving, not just on Wednesday night, not just when, you know, God comes through big. You know, there, there are this, those huge crises in our life and, and God comes through. He says, I'll praise the Lord at all times. Just the fact that I had clean water to drink when I turned the faucet on. Thank you, Lord. Just, just the fact that I got to hear a bird sing that morning. Praise the Lord. 
Just the fact that I had an, another day to breathe and serve God, praise the Lord. Just the fact that the microwave worked to cook my oatmeal, praise the Lord. Just the fact that I was able, still able to have some funds to buy some food for my family, that, that I was able to make just a copay instead of some huge amount. And there's a doctor even there that's got training, and that I still have freedom. All the little things, friend, that we're so prone to take for granted, praise the Lord. See, we not only should be specific, but it should be at all times throughout the day and in all ways, friend, we should be steadily thankful for all the goodness of God in our life. Continually, verse 1 says, His praise shall be continually in my mouth. Well, friend, listen. If praise is continually in my mouth, then that means there's, there's no room for, for a word of discouragement. There's no room for gossip. There's no room for cursing. There's no room for worldly things. There's only room in my mouth if God's praise is continually in my, in my mouth for things that praise and honor and uplift the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So our praise is spontaneous. It's specific. But not only that, it's to be steady. But fourth, listen to me, don't miss this, our, our real praise is shown. It's shown. It's not just said. Real praise is is shown. Look at verse number one. The Bible says, now, now stay with me or my, my, what I'm doing is not going to help me or it's not going to help you. The Bible says, I will bless thee who? In verse number one, let's try that again. I will bless thee. Let's look at verse number two. My soul, my soul shall make its boast in thee. Number, verse number three, O magnify thee. I sought thee. Verse number six says, this poor man cried out and thee. Verse number 8 says, O taste and see that the, the Lord. Continually, David says, he's offering praise to the Lord. Now, he's not just generically saying, you know, the Lord. But literally in that, he's saying, my Lord. That's his personal Lord over his life. Write down Luke chapter 6, verse 46 in the corner of your Bible. But listen to what Jesus says to a group of religious people that called him Lord. Now remember in John chapter 6, the Bible bears out that there was a big group that started following Jesus. They were disciples, quote unquote. They had the t-shirts. It, listen, it was the in vogue cool thing. In the words of the day, it was trending. It, it was going viral to follow Jesus. Everybody's following Jesus. Everybody's been following John. But everybody's following Jesus. And, and they loved what happened. Man, Jesus showed up. Blind people could see. Crippled people could walk. And then, you know, what most religious people are concerned about, then he fed them. Then there was food to eat. Man, they loved this. A show, food. But in John chapter 6, Jesus got down to what the life of a real disciple is all about. It's all about surrender. Surrendering one's life to his lordship. And so they called him Lord. But in John, in Luke chapter 6 and verse 46, Jesus says to all these people, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He said, You're, you're, you're saying, Lord, Lord, can we have this? Lord, can we have that? Lord, where are we going today? Lord, what's for supper tonight? Lord, how long will we stay here? Lord, Lord. He says, but why do you call me Lord and you don't do the things that I say? You see, for real praise isn't just spoken, 
but it's grounded in obedience. I'm telling you, my friend, based on the authority of God's Word, it doesn't matter what you say to God if you don't have a life of obedience to back it up. So, oh, Lord, I love you. Do you? Do you demonstrate it? That's what Jesus says. If you really love me, then you're going to keep my commandments. You're going to be a doer. Real praise is not just spoken, it's shown. It's not just said, it's shown. It's not just proclaimed, it's performed. See, what David's really getting to here is this. Real thanksgiving is thanks living. Now, I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether your palms up, palms out, two hands up, falling across the altar, how many tears you cry. Those are all good things, friend, but they don't mean a thing if it's not grounded in obedience every day. It doesn't mean anything to God. It's all circumstance, and it's all, it's all show. In, in the book of Malachi, uh, chapter 1, and in verse number 6, God speaks to a group of people who've returned from Babylon. Now listen, God's cured them of idolatry. But friend, the devil doesn't care. What he uses to get you away from God, he'll use whatever vehicle, whatever tool he needs to do. And so he cured them of idolatry, but now here's what's separating them from God. It's apathy. Not idolatry, but just indifference. They've come to a place, they're just like, whatever. We've heard God's word spoken, preached all these years, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it. And so they began to drift away from a real commitment. But they still, but listen, when they came to church on Sunday, they'd still say, Lord, 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 Lord. But listen to what Malachi chapter 1, verse 6 says. God speaks to, to these apathetic people. He says, a son honors his father. A servant honors his master. If I them am the father, where is my honor? And if I am master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts, to you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? They despise God's name, friend, through disobedience. And the way you really say, or you really show, I should say, that you're thankful is not what you say, but it's how you live. So it comes down to really not thanksgiving, but thanks what? Living. Not just on this Thursday, but every single day and at all times. So real praise, it's spontaneous, it's specific, it's steady, it's also shown, but listen to this, it's swaying. Your praise, and should I say your life of praise, constantly living a life that offers praise to Jesus Christ, it's swaying. Look at verse number 2 of Psalm 34. The Bible says, My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. So David says he's, he's doing that with his mouth, but he knows he needs to also be doing it with his life. And he says, The humble shall hear of it, and they'll be glad. Praise is encouraging to those who have a relationship with God, but it's also encouraging to those who don't have a relationship with God. I've heard from so many different people who came to know Christ, and they didn't come to know Christ, friend, at the Billy Graham crusade. They didn't come to know Christ specifically by, by coming to church and hearing a message preached. They didn't come to know Christ by hearing the replay of a service on the radio. They came to know Christ because they worked with somebody who honored Christ in all things. And though they were lost, they watched how that person responded to difficulty. They watched how that person responded uh, to, 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 to work ethic. 
The challenge is to be lazy or to do all things as unto the Lord. They watched how that person treated their spouse, what their priorities were in life. And all of that life that was lived to honor the Lord Jesus Christ, a lost person watched and it swayed them. God used that to begin to speak to them. And this is what it said to them. Whatever that person's got, you don't. And that person came to a place and said, whatever they do have, I want. I want it. I don't know exactly what it is, but, but it, it began to speak to them. It says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. And the more you talk about something, friend, how good it is and how wonderful it is, let's start speaking to people that have never tasted of that before. You know, some, some new restaurant will open up. And everybody will be talking. I remember a, a few years ago, you probably remember this, Popeye's had this new chicken sandwich. And everybody just started talking about, boy, it's going to put Chick-fil-A out of business. And you, I never got to, I mean, I like Popeye's, but I never got to, to go and have one. Never said, you got to try this. Well, friend, everybody tried it so much, they ran out of chicken. I mean, they were putting out signs as to when they were going to have it again because everybody had talked about how great this sandwich was, and people were lining up. They literally were shutting down Popeye's restaurants to get this chicken sandwich because they wanted to taste and see. And friend, I'm telling you, listen to me. You think, well, my life just can't have any impact on a lost person. Friend, you continually thanks live every day, and you verbally share and talk with people about how good God is, how good God has been, how good he constantly is, and how good he's going to be in the future and continue to be in your life. And I'm telling you, friend, God uses that. The Holy Spirit uses that to draw people to say, man, whatever they've got, I want to I want taste and see. Look at verse number 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in Him. And real praise does that. It's, it's inviting. I remember this. Specifically, I was in the first grade. Yes, I can remember back that far. I was in the first grade. I remember the first time that I ever saw this in the cafeteria. Now, some of, this is going to take some of you back, but I, they may still have these. I don't, do you remember the little paper, folded paper cups that they'd put stuff in? You could, like, pull them apart and make a big circle, or just wad them up and throw them away. It's like a little wax paper cup that they would put stuff in. Well, I was going through the line one day, and I saw all these cups of, at the very end of the line, of brown gravy. And I thought, what? I don't, brown gravy's not going to go on what we've got today. I don't know what it was. It was a hamburger or pizza or something. But it sure wasn't brown gravy going to go with it. And so I just let it sit there, and I saw all these people eating this brown gravy. I thought, what are they doing eating brown gravy? And finally, my teacher, she looked at me, she said, are you not going to eat that? And I said, I don't want that gravy. She said, it's not gravy, it's chocolate pudding. I said, chocolate pudding? I know all about chocolate pudding. And I want to, and friend, listen, I tasted and I saw. And friend, I want to, my taste buds were singing the hallelujah chorus. So much so, everybody that wasn't eating their brown gravy, I wanted it. You're going to eat that gravy? Give it to me. Friend, if you've never tasted Jesus Christ, can I just stand this morning and say, I have, and he'll change your life. 
If you've never turned and tasted of the goodness of God, you need to do it. You see, sin separates you from God. But God loves you, and he sent Christ to die in your place. Because of the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. But Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And they took him off the cross. They buried him in the tomb. His death paid for the price of my sin. But his life gives me the ability to have life over the presence of sin now in my life. So I've been saved from sin's penalty. But now, friend, listen, I've been saved from sin's possession over my life. And if you'll simply turn and trust Christ, you can have that same freedom. How do you do it? The Bible says you first have to repent. Luke 13, 3. You have to agree with God that you're a sinner. The Bible says you are. And you have to choose to do that. Listen. And then you have to, by faith, trust Christ to be Lord of your life. That is, you give Him every single part of you that you know to give. And the Bible says, friend, explicitly and with certainty that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And friend, I promise you, if you'll turn and taste Jesus Christ today, he'll satisfy every need and longing in your life. Church family, am I the only one that feels like that this morning? He'll change your life. He'll change your world. But you must turn and you must trust Christ. And then, friend, listen, then you'll know what all the praise and what all the shout is all about when you trust Christ to be Lord of your life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Have you ever tasted and seen that Jesus Christ is all that the Bible says that he is? In the quietness of your heart this morning, won't you choose to turn from all your sin? Friend, I want to ask you, now be honest with me this morning. I want to ask you a question, then we're going to pray. What is there in your life that's keeping you from God that's worth dying and going to hell over for all eternity? What in your life is worth burning in hell for all eternity? Friend, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. So turn from it today. Turn from it. And by faith, tell God you want to lay your life down at the feet of Jesus and for Him to be Lord of your life. And the Bible says if you'll call upon Him as Lord, He'll save you. The Bible says in the book of Romans 10, 9 and 10, that with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Just tell God that you want to be saved from sin's penalty and possession and one day from its presence. And he'll save you where you are today. Tell him just like this, silently where you sit. Pray just like this. You've got to make it your own prayer, though. God, forgive me of all my sin. I turn from it. I believe that Jesus died on the cross in my place. I believe he rose again. And today, with all my heart as I turn from sin, I trust Christ to be Lord over every area of my life. As best as I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me and to be Lord of me. That's my prayer. The heads are bowed and eyes are closed. When they begin to sing in a moment, won't you step out into one of these aisles? Be bold. Be brave. And make your way down to the front where I'm going to be standing. And to simply say, I, I prayed that prayer to trust Christ. What now? And I want to tell you not what Greenwood Baptist Church says, but what the Bible says is next in your life. I want to share that with you. Church family, I, I wonder if you've got caught up in the challenges and the potholes and the, the cloudy skies and the hard days. And in the midst of that, 
you've focused all upon that hardship and you've, you've really come to a place that you've allowed the devil to bring you to a place that you really think God's forsaken you. Or he, he, he doesn't know what's going on in your life. Or what's going on is out of God's control. Oh, friend, would you just be reminded that for whatever reason, wherever you're at, whatever's going on in your life today, that you didn't bring upon yourself, God's allowed to happen for a purpose. He has a plan. He's still working on you. And even in the midst of that, friend, at all times, God's praise will be in my mouth. Maybe you've come to a place, friend, that you say all these things that you're thankful for, but you're not living in obedience every day. I wonder if there's someone here this morning, you've been saved, but you've got sin in your life today. You've got sin. And that sin's hindering your fellowship and relationship with God. Would you not set all that aside just like the day you got saved and leave this place today freshly committed and resubmitted to Christ's Lordship over your life and thanks living being a reality in you. Father, you know where each person stands today positionally and spiritually with you. We pray for those who still need to be saved. We pray for those, God, we, we hope and pray and beg were saved just a few minutes ago who needed to be. We pray for those who have forgotten that you're in the midst of all the hardships in the storm too. You're going to walk with us. We pray for those, God, who have been saved, but they've allowed sin to become a habit in their life. Challenge them. Whatever needs you represent in this place, speak to us now. And what may, may we all be able to say when we leave, we're in a right relationship with Christ. It's in his name we pray. And amen. Let's stand.